Let's turn over to Romans chapter five. I started teaching from these verses last night. And I kind of felt like I was dumping more on people than what they could absorb. Jamie thought it was just great. So I don't know how it came out. But um, it's amazing to me how most people do not have very much um, grounding in the word. And when you start talking about anything that gets a little detailed, their eyes just glaze over. And it's like, I didn't come to learn anything. I just want you to get through and then wave your hand over me and I can get what I want and go home and go back to being carnal. That's the way that most people are. But you know what? Praise God for those of you that came back. And I believe that there's a hunger here to get the word. And I just want to say to you that if you will open up your heart and think and learn these things that I'm talking about. These are some of the most foundational things that changed my life. Last night I gave a testimony and I didn't finish the testimony. So let me real quickly go back through this, that when I got back from Vietnam, I went to a Bible study that a woman was teaching, which I had a prejudice against a woman teaching. And then there were long haired hippies there that in the Baptist church, if your hair touched your collar, you went straight to hell. And I was offended and but I was keeping my cool and not saying anything until these people got to talking about being righteous. And man, that really got next to me because I knew a few scriptures that all of our righteousness is like filthy rags. There is none righteous, no, not one. And I whooped those scriptures out. And instead of them getting mad at me, they loved me. And they had like 10 scriptures to prove that they were righteous for every one that I had that talked about being unrighteous. And so anyway, it challenged me. I went home, I got a concordance. I studied for a week. I studied 10 to 15 hours a day and read every verse in the Bible on the word righteous. And I was convinced intellectually that I was righteous because it's what the New Testament scriptures say. And I'm going to be sharing a lot of those with you throughout this series. So intellectually, I got it. But you know what? My heart still couldn't embrace it. I was struggling until I got to these verses. In Romans chapter five, just there are five different times he made a comparison. And he said, in the same way that you became a sinner through what Adam did. And I talked about that a little bit last night. Most people don't understand that. They think they're a sinner because of what they did, but actually you are a sinner by nature and the actions that you have are just a results of or a manifestation of this lost sinful nature that all of us were born with. Many people don't have that revelation, but being raised in the Baptist church, I had the revelation that I was born in sin, that I had a sin nature and I had just accepted it. I had never challenged it. And that was something that I could embrace. I had lived with that so long that I didn't have any trouble with that. And yet these verses five different times say in the same way that you were born a sinner, You didn't become a sinner. You were born a sinner and you sinned as a result of that sin nature in the same way. You didn't deserve it. You just inherited it by your physical birth. And it says in the same way, when you got born again, you were made righteous. You don't become righteous. It's not based on your actions. You are just born again righteous. It says this five different times. And I remember the day that I was studying and read these verses, and it's just like 
I was, it's like the Holy Spirit, in a, you know, and I'm not saying this in a bad way, but it's just like he slapped me. It just knocked me off my guard. I literally sat there thinking, how can I accept this one truth and reject the opposite truth that the Bible here is making? If you can accept that you became a sinner by your natural birth, you have to, to be honest. It's like a coin. You got to accept if the heads is real, then the tails is real. The flip side has to also be real. And I finally just came to the realization that even though I didn't understand it, I, if I was going to be honest, I had to accept that when I got born again, I was righteous immediately. I was righteous. And I still didn't fully understand it, but I saw it. And I just said, Father, I accept it. And for the first time in my life, I remember, I went and looked in a mirror. Some of you think this is weird, but it's the way I did it. I went and looked in a mirror and I looked at me eyeball to eyeball and I said, you are righteous. And the first time I ever said that about myself, all the hair on the back of my neck stood up. I just, I just knew for sure that God was going to strike me dead because you didn't say things like that. This was just wrong to say that you're righteous. And, but it's what the Bible said about me. And I began to start speaking that I was righteous. And I tell you what, it, it totally flipped my life upside down, right side up. And I remember that same day that all this happened, I went out and I was just overwhelmed. And I walked out into my backyard and sat down on this little concrete steps that we had at the back door. And I had this dog that was named Honey. It was three-fourths German Shepherd and one-fourth Chow. And I bought this dog to be a watchdog for my mother when I left to go to Vietnam. And it looked like Honey. That was the color of the coat on this dog. So I named it Honey is what I I had called this dog. And anyway, this dog was a big dog, mean looking dog, but it had been beat with a trace chain, the people that had it before I did. And that dog would come running, like when a mailman walked by, it would run and bark and jump on the fence and the whole fence would move. But if that mailman would have opened up the back gate, that dog would have hurt itself trying to get out of the way. It was so afraid. And it never came up to me. It would come running. And then it did this when I walked out and sat on this back step. It it came running and it'd get about five or 10 feet away from me. And then it'd fall down and get on its side and whimper and scoot up to me, afraid that I was going to hit it. And so anyway, I'd had this dog for years. And I walked out and sat on that back step. Here comes my dog running and it runs towards me and it gets on its side and starts whimpering and coming up and acting like I was going to hit. And I just lost my cool, which is, it's not normal for me, but I just got mad at this dog. And I said, you know, it's hard to get mad at your dog when its name is honey. (laughs) And I said, honey, just once I would like you to come and jump on me like a normal dog and act like I wasn't going to beat you. And I wasn't doing this. I said, anybody who sees the way you act, they would think I'm just terrible to you. And I was reading this dog, the riot act. And right in the middle of a sentence, God said, I feel exactly the same about you. And I realized that I had always, oh God, I'm so unworthy. God, I come before you and I know I don't deserve it. And I always backed in and whimpered and whined like, oh God, please don't judge me. And he said, just once I'd like you to come and act like I've set you free and redeemed you and you are righteous. Amen. (laughs) And I never got over that. 
I've thought about this many, many times that, you know what, this is the way most of us approach God. And it's because you do not understand that you were made righteous. So again, let me read these verses and we're going to spring from here into a lot of other things. In verse 15 is where it really starts making these comparisons and five different times it makes this same, it's making the exact same point just five times over and over and over. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, Adam, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one, the condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Man, that's powerful. That's what I'm talking about this week is how to reign in life. You have to receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. It's a two-pronged thing. Unless you understand your righteous position in the Lord, you will never reign in life. In verse 18, therefore, as by, one, by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift Again, the terminology here, you could take every word and preach on this. The free gift. It's not just a gift. It's a free gift. It's emphasizing that you don't have anything to do with this. The only thing you can do is believe and receive or doubt and do without. That's the only thing that you have a choice in. It's a free gift of righteousness came upon all unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners... You weren't made a sinner by what you did. It was Adam that made you a sinner. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. You aren't righteous because of what you do. It's what Jesus did that made you righteous. In the same way as Adam made you unrighteous, Jesus made you righteous. You didn't deserve that unrighteousness. You don't deserve this righteousness. Man, that is awesome. In verse 20, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. In verse 21, that sin is not talking about sin, actions of sin. This isn't a verb. It's a noun describing this sin nature your sinful human nature rule dominated unto death. And the death here is not limited to talking about physical death. It includes that, but it includes depression, poverty, sickness, weakness, anger, bitterness, all of the things that came as a result of sin. So sin, this sin nature ruled unto all of these negative effects of death in our life. And likewise, now the grace of God reigns through righteousness. If you don't have an understanding of your right standing, your right position with God, grace will not reign in your life and you will not get eternal life. This isn't talking about just living forever in heaven. It's talking about eternal life. John 17, three is describing an intimate 
personal, close relationship with God. You will miss the whole goal of salvation. You will miss this intimacy and your blessing with God and all of the benefits that go with it. Boy, those are huge statements. And I believe that this is where the vast majority of the body of Christ lives right here, that they are not letting grace reign through righteousness. Most people do not understand righteousness. They think that their righteousness is dependent upon their actions. And it's not. This is a faith righteousness that when you put faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you were made the righteousness of God. Look over in Ephesians chapter four. In Ephesians chapter four, I spent one entire year studying nothing but Ephesians chapter four, verses 17 through 24. I spent an entire year studying those verses. And the only time I'd turn from there is when I was looking at verses that that related to this. And I studied around this for an entire year. And it's one of the most productive years in the word I've ever had in my life. I've got at least 10 tape sets out there or CD sets that are all made from this. So this is awesome. I'm skipping through a lot of stuff, but look in verse 24. It says, and that she put on the new man. This relates back. I quoted these verses last night. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new man. This terminology, new man and things like this is talking about the part of you, your spirit that got born again. And so it says, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Again, the wording here is very, very important. You aren't in the process of becoming righteous. You were created righteous when you got born again. This is something that is just foreign to the average person. I go into many churches and I typical prayer that I'll hear people pray is, Oh God, make me righteous. Oh God, just help me to be righteous. And because I'm, I'm so sweet and I never rock the boat and stuff, I never say anything. But I want to tell them, I say, get born again. And yet these people are born again and they're praying that God will make them righteous. I know some of you are thinking, well, what's wrong with that? You were created righteous and truly holy. It says truly holy, implying that there is false holiness. You know what false holiness is? All of your goodness. And yet the vast majority of the church is putting the emphasis on you've got to be holy. You've got to do this before God will move in your life. If you want the anointing, if you want revival, if you want the power of God, if you want something in your life, you've got to start being holy and do this and you've got to be righteous and become righteous. And if you would just quit your sinning and quit doing this and if you would live holier, then God will move in your life. You know what that is? That's false holiness. That's self-righteousness. And all of your self-righteousness is like filthy rags. You know, I think, let me turn over here. I believe that's Isaiah chapter 64. This Old Testament uh, quotation where it says, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. In 
in verse six, this is Isaiah chapter 64, verse six, but we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags and we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. You know, I hate to be graphic. I'm not trying to offend anybody, but if you study this out in the Hebrew, you know what filthy rag is talking about? It's talking about a menstrual cloth in the same way as a woman throws away a menstrual cloth. Your righteousness is as filthy and dirty as a menstrual cloth. And yet many people will take their righteousness and frame it and hang it on a wall (laughs) and show everybody all of their great accomplishments. And there is a place for that if you're relating to people. If you're trying to get a job, you may need some kind of a degree in order to qualify and mean it. So when it comes to people, I admit we need to have certain actions of righteousness and do the right thing. But when it comes to God, Paul said it this way. He says, all of those things that were gained unto me, I counted them but dung compared to the excellency of Christ Jesus. That's just a polite way of saying something else. (laughs) Amen. And yet again, we take all of our dung and put it on the wall and frame it. And there may be a purpose when you're relating to people and trying to get a job or showing people that you have the qualifications. But when it comes to God, I guarantee there's not a single person in here that's got a step closer to God because you've lived holier than the person next to you. If the person next to you is a sot drunk, if they're a dope addict, if they are an adulterer, and if you've been going to church and being holy your whole life, you aren't any more righteous in the sight of God than that other person. Amen. And this is precisely the reason that religious people hate this type of teaching because there's you're saying that all of my good work doesn't make me more accepted with God and I, don't, I shouldn't get my prayers answered easier than this other person. That's exactly what I'm saying. And you know what? That's offensive to people who are trusting in their own righteousness. And it's good news for the people who feel like that, man, I'm so far behind, I might as well quit and give up. It's good news to them. And that's the reason that the poor people and the people that were outcast in the religious system of Jesus' day, they heard Jesus and responded to him. And the religious people rejected him because they were basing all of their holiness on them fasting and paying tithes of mint and anise and cumin. You know, that Pharisee that Jesus gave in this parable, he talked about a Pharisee and a publican walking in at the same time of prayer. And the Pharisee said, Father, I thank you that I am not as other men, that I fast twice in the week. I pay tithes of mint and anise and cumin. I thank you that I'm not like this old publican, this tax collector, this thief over here. And the the tax collector knew he was a mess and he just, he wouldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven. He smote on his breast and he fell before God and he says, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, that man went down justified, which is another term for righteous in right standing with God. And the person who was living a holier life, but trusting in his goodness was rejected by God. The vast majority of religion today is telling people that you've got to do this and this and this, and they'll have a different set of standards according to what their denominational thing is. The ultra Pentecostals will tell women that they can't put on any makeup. They got to pile their hair up. They got to wear their dress a certain length. They got to do all of these things to be holy. If you wear gold or jewelry, 
you uh, aren't, you're sinning against God and they'll have all of these things that people have to do. And that's how they base their relationship on how well they fulfill all of these requirements. Other groups, you got to go out and you got to lead people to the Lord or, you know, it's just every group has their own requirements, but God doesn't look on the outward appearance. First Samuel chapter 16, verse seven, Samuel was going to anoint David as king and he came and the Lord told him, he says, don't look on the height of his stature because God doesn't see the way that man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. God is not looking at your outer actions. Again, I hesitate to say some things because you could misunderstand what I'm saying. God is aware of your actions. He doesn't love you because of your actions, but he loves you so much that if your actions are giving Satan an inroad into your life, he will deal with you and tell you, quit doing this. Straighten up. Trust me in this area. He will deal with your outer actions, but he does not relate to you based on your actions. He relates to you based on your born again spirit, this new man, which again, going back to Ephesians 4, 24, put on this new man, which is created in righteousness and true holiness. You were created righteous and holy. When you got born again, your spirit is righteous. And you know, I was giving you this example about how the Lord showed me these things. I just had to accept that I was righteous because the scripture said so, but I couldn't understand it. And I believe I would have lost the benefit of that revelation if I hadn't have got the revelation of spirit, soul, and body and have understood that it's my spirit that was made righteous. Now that's huge. And I could teach on this. This is my favorite thing to teach on. I actually teach on it a little bit all of the time and just call it by different names. I'm really wanting to teach on some other things, but I could just unplug right here and just tell you about the revelation that I got when I realized that the part of me that got saved wasn't my body. It's not my mind and emotions, but my spirit is the part of me that got changed. In John chapter four, verse 24 says, those who worship, Jesus was speaking. He says, those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. You must It isn't just the best way. It's not the most acceptable, the most beneficial. If you are going to truly connect with God, you've got to do it spirit to spirit. And the reason for that is because your physical body and your mind, regardless of how much you renew your mind and regardless of how holy you live, you are not worthy to approach unto God in your physical body and in your mind. You do not understand everything. We are not thinking totally properly. None of us in here have it all figured out. Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that now I know in part and I prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, talking about your glorified body, then I will know all things, even as also I am known. You don't know everything yet. Some of you think you do, but you don't. I saw a sign the other day. It says, hire a teenager before, you know, before they realize they don't know it all. (laughs) But you don't know everything. 
and your body isn't perfect. I don't care if you are living holier than I am, you could be the best sinner and you'd still go to hell if you trusted in your own goodness. None of us can approach God on the basis of your actions and on your understanding. You have to come before him in spirit and in truth. And when you got born again, it was your spirit that was changed. You became a totally brand new person in your spirit. Second Corinthians five seventeen. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. And did you know most people stumble over a verse like that because they say, now, wait a minute, all things are new. And so they go look in the mirror and they still got the same zits, the same gray hair, the same face, the, and they feel their emotions and they say, I still have some of the same anger and some of the same problems. They said, I thought I was supposed to be new. It's because most people only acknowledge this physical, natural realm. But according to the scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, it says, I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's many scriptures that make this point, but that one puts all three in one verse. You have a spirit, soul, and body. Our spirit is the part that most people don't know about. You know, your body, you're in touch with your body. If I was to ask you right now, are you hot or are you cold? (laughs) Did you guys listen? (laughs) Some people are cold. But anyway, what I'm saying is if I ask you, are you hot or cold? You know what? You don't have to think, well, let me pray about it. And let me meditate on this and I'll come back to you and I'll tell you tomorrow. You just instantly know if you're hot or if you're cold. If I said, do you have any pain in your body? You instantly are aware of it. If you have pain, you know you have pain. You don't have to pray about it and see. You you are in contact with your body. You monitor your body all of the time, constantly. And you do the same thing with your soul, what the Bible calls your soul, your mental, emotional, your personality part. If I was to say, are you happy or are you sad? You don't have to say, well, let me pray about it and I'll come back and tell you tomorrow. You automatically know, are you encouraged or discouraged? Are you happy or sad? You instantly monitor that. But did you know your spirit, Jesus said this in John chapter three, I'm not sure the exact verse, it's around verse four or five somewhere. He says, that which is spirit is spirit and that which is flesh is flesh. That's just a Bible way of saying that spirit is spirit, flesh is flesh. There isn't any way of contacting and monitoring. You cannot feel your spirit. We will say things like, oh, I feel the spirit. And I could explain this for an hour, but uh, technically that's not correct. You can feel faith. Faith is tangible. Anointing can be put into a piece of cloth and passed to a person and they can be healed. That happened in Acts 19 verse 11. You can feel certain things, but technically you cannot feel the spirit. It's like the wind. Jesus said, you can see the trees blow. You can see things float on the wind, but you can't see the wind. You can see what the wind is doing, but you can't see the wind. You can't see the spirit. You can't feel the spirit. And my point in bringing that out is to say that it's different deciding who you are in the spirit than it is deciding, are you hot? Are you cold? Are you in pain or not? Because you instantly know those things, but you can't know what you're like in the spirit. You can't feel the spirit. You can't look in a mirror and see your spirit. So how do you know what's going on in the spirit? 
John 6, 63, Jesus was speaking and Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. It also says many other places, but uh, obvious one is James chapter one, that whoever looks into this perfect law of liberty, talking about the word of God is like a man looking in a glass, a mirror and beholding himself. When you look in the word of God, This word is spirit and it's life. It will tell you what you are like in the spirit and you just have to trust it. Did you know when you look in a mirror, you trust what you see in that mirror and yet you aren't seeing things clearly? Some of you have never thought about this, but did you know when you look in a mirror, it gives you a mirror image. It doesn't give you an accurate image. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. If you go look, you know, I do television and when you have a television monitor, we have a television monitor underneath the camera so that I can see. And, uh, did you know that on that television monitor, if I hold up my right hand, if you were looking in a mirror, the person looks back at me, it would actually be your left hand that you hold up. But when you do it on television, it's the right hand over here. And it's really confusing. Like if, you know, a hair is out of place, they'll say uh, stage right or stage left. Because if you say it's on the right or the left, people will nearly always go up and do a mirror image. My point is that when you're looking in a mirror, you have to translate this because when you hold up this hand and go to this side of your head, it's actually the opposite side in a mirror. You have to interpret and translate this. You are not seeing an accurate image of yourself. You're seeing a reflection and yet you've learned to trust it and you've learned how to comb your hair and brush your teeth and put on your makeup and do things by looking at that image and you just trust it. And yet it's not really accurate. You hold up your right hand and the mirror person holds up their left hand. (laughs) You know what? The Bible is like a mirror, but it's a perfect representation. And in the same way as you've learned to just trust what you see in the mirror and take action, you know, you may not feel like your hair is misplaced, but if you look in the mirror and if your hair is all askew, you know what? You'll go ahead and comb your hair based on what you see, not what you feel. Likewise, you have to get to where you take the word of God and whatever the word says about your born again spirit, you just trust it regardless of what you feel like. And the Bible says that in the spirit, you have become a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And some of you are looking in with your physical eyes and you're looking at your physical circumstances and you're saying nothing's changed. Are you going to go by what you feel? Or are you going to go by what the spiritual mirror says? And sad to say, the vast majority of Christians will let what they feel and what they see trump what the word of God says about them. But the word of God says that you were created righteous in right standing with God and truly holy. Your spirit is as righteous and holy and pure as Jesus is. And some of you feel like that's blasphemy because your only use at looking at yourself in the natural physical realm and feeling your soulish a mental, emotional part, and you know that you have actions that are wrong and thoughts that are wrong. And you think that that's all that there is to you is this physical, emotional part. And so when somebody says you're righteous, you know that that's not true in the physical, natural, emotional realm. And you say, no, that's not me. But in the spirit, 
You are as righteous and pure and holy as Jesus is. You were created that way. You were born that way. That's nearly too good to be true news. But God is a spirit and God is looking at you in the spirit. And if you're going to truly connect with God, you've got to approach him in spirit and in truth. When you come before God and you say, oh God, I'm so unworthy. And oh God, I don't deserve anything. And you fall over on your side and whimper and whine and scoot up to him. You know what? You're in the flesh. You're coming before him in yourself and not in the spirit. In the spirit, you're as pure and holy as Jesus is because Galatians chapter four, I believe it's around verse four, says that God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. That word Abba is a term like daddy. It's an intimate term. You have a personal relationship with God and you have his spirit living on the inside of you. Romans chapter eight, verse nine, the last part of that verse says, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So if you're saying, well, I don't know that I've got the spirit of Christ in me, then you aren't born again. If you're born again, you do have the spirit of Christ living on the inside of you. And that spirit is righteous and holy. It was created that way. You are as pure as Jesus is. First John chapter four, verse 17 says, herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is speaking of Jesus, so are we in this world. It didn't say, so are we going to be in the next world? It says, so are we right now in this world? Do you think that Jesus feels about himself the way you feel about yourself? Do you think that Jesus sees himself the way you see yourself? And see, this is the problem. The scripture says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? Most of us only know ourselves on the external. We know what our physical body looks like. You know, if you're a man or a woman, you know, if you're tall or short, big or small, you know, if you're ugly or good looking. You know what your background is. You know your emotions. You know how you feel, whether you're a positive person, an optimist or a pessimist. You know all of these things in the natural. And if I was to ask most of you, so what are you like? Most of you would go to describing your physical body, your emotional state, who you are in these realms. But if I was to say, what are you like in the spirit? Most people don't have a clue. Because the only way you can know what you're like in the spirit is just to hold this spiritual mirror up and read it and say, well, this is the way I am. I'm, I'm the righteousness of God. I was created that way as Jesus is. That's the way that I am. You have to just take this and you have to establish a new identity. Most Christians believe that when they got born again, it was something that took place on paper And when you die, you go to heaven instead of hell. And then is when you're going to be changed. And then you're going to be like him. Well, that's true in the physical body. You're going to get a glorified body and your mind will be renewed and you'll know all things. But right now, man, you need to grab hold of something because this might knock you off your feet. But right now, your spirit is as perfect, as pure as it will ever be in all eternity. Right now, your spirit is right this moment, identical to Jesus sitting at the right hand of God, the father. 
And unless you understand this, see, this is your righteousness, your right standing with God. If you don't understand this, you can hear about grace and know that God loves you in spite of who you are, but you will always feel condemned. You will always feel unworthy. When the Bible says that you can go out and lay hands on the sick, you'll immediately say, but I'm nobody and I don't have this ability. And man, I failed and I'm so unworthy. And you will stand there in your flesh in your natural self instead of in your born again self. And you will never rise up and take your rightful position of authority. You'll never speak with boldness and command the devil to get off your case. When problems come your way, you will go read all of the psychology books and look to the secular world and you'll respond to problems the same way that a person that doesn't have the life of God on the inside of them does. And you know what? As a man thinks in his heart, Proverbs 23, 7, as he thinketh in his heart, that's the way that it is. If you think, Lord, I'm only human. I'm just a man. One day at a time, sweet Jesus, that's all I'm asking of you. Lord, you know, if you're looking below, it's worse now than then. Man, songs like that'll kill you. That is a terrible song. You need to get Charlie and Jill's music and go to worshiping God and talking about the good thing. Amen. But most people, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. I'm not an old sinner saved by grace. I was an old sinner, but I got saved by grace. And now I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am a new creature. And the only way you're going to ever reign in life and see this victory come in you is when you quit operating in your flesh, in your natural self, and you start relating to God, relating to people, relating to problems based on who you are in Christ. And who you are in Christ is as pure and holy and perfect as Jesus is. And to the degree that you can see yourself that way, you can respond to problems exactly the way Jesus did. And you can command sickness to leave you. You can command the dead to raise. Anytime you go to talking about miracles like this, you know, Jamie and I have seen three people raised from the dead personally. And we have, I don't even know, I quit counting. I remember at one time I counted that there was 38 people I knew who had been raised from the dead or who had raised other people from the dead. I'm sure now it's double that. I mean, we hear testimonies all the time of people being raised from the dead. And when you go to talking about stuff like this, people look at you and think, you aren't holy enough. You're a hick. I have people tell me all the time. I had one guy in Kansas City say, you are as plain as dirt. And people look at me and because I'm not flashy and because I talk with a hick accent and because I do other things, you know what? People look at me and think, God couldn't use you because they look on the outside. They think God uses somebody based on your natural self. And my natural self's not flashy. And people just can't believe that God could use something like this. That's the exact reason that you haven't seen great miracles happen because you think it has to be based on yourself. But when you can start seeing yourself in Christ, if you can see me in the spirit, I'm awesome. (laughs) Amen. You may not be impressed with my flesh, but if you could see me in the spirit, I'm just awesome. I am awesome. The scripture says that we have been called to the obtaining. It's 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I forget the exact verse, but we have been called to the obtaining 
of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you read it in context, this isn't something that's going to happen in heaven. Right now, you have the glory of God in this earthen vessel. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says that. You have the glory of God on the inside of you. If something happened and God had to replace what you have in your born again spirit, he would literally have to strip heaven of everything it's got to replace it. And see, this is what the scripture says over in Ephesians chapter one. He prays a prayer that the Lord would open up the eyes of your understanding so that you could see the glory of his inheritance in the saints. It's not in heaven. People think, oh, I wish I could just see the glory of God. You need to get a revelation of who you are in the spirit. That's the glory of God. Who you are in the spirit is as glorious as anything in heaven. Your born again spirit is absolutely awesome. You are pure. You're holy. You've got the mind of Christ. First Corinthians 2 16. That's not something that's going to happen when you get to heaven. When you get to heaven, the mind of Christ that's in your spirit is going to renew your physical mind and you're going to know all things, even as also you're known. But in your spirit right now, you know everything that God knows. Thank you, Van. Some of you are thinking, why, that's not true. I couldn't even find my glasses and they were on top of my head. (laughs) You're talking about your physical mind up here. But you know what? In your spirit, your spirit knows everything that God knows. You have the mind of Christ. It says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, that you have an unction from the Holy One. That word unction means a special anointing or an endowment of power from the Holy One. And you know all things, all things, not some things, all things. You know everything. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10 says, put on the new man. Again, that's just like these verses we've been reading The new man is talking about this born again spirit, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that is created him. You have the mind of Christ. You know all things. You're renewed in knowledge. Your spirit knows everything. And yet most people don't know what they have in their spirit. And so they just go through life saying, well, I'm only a man. Further along, we'll know all about it. We can't understand. And they just embrace lack and inadequacy and they don't even try. You know, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I could preach for an hour and a half on this one point. This is why speaking in tongues is so important. Because it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14, that when you pray in tongues, your spirit... Praise The born again part that has the mind of Christ has an unction from God and you know all things. When you pray in tongues, it's your spirit praying. And the Bible says you are speaking forth the hidden wisdom of God in a mystery. And then 1 Corinthians 14, 13 says, if you pray in tongues, pray also that you interpret. You know what? When you don't know what to do, you can start speaking in tongues. And when you speak in tongues, your spirit that knows all things is praying out this hidden wisdom of God. And all you got to do is say, Father, give me the interpretation. Show me what I'm, what I need to know. And God will show you things. Some of you think, oh, it couldn't be that simple. It is that simple. You have to believe it. And it takes a while for you to get your mind 
renewed that's saying these words that to your physical natural mind, and if somebody else was living, listening, they would say, this is just foolishness. This is gibberish. You don't make any sense. It takes a while for you to get beyond your fear and embarrassment and get into faith. But if you get into faith and start speaking by faith and standing on what the word says and going by what the word says instead of what you feel, I guarantee you, God can interpret your tongue to you and give you answers that are so profound. There's not a person in here. I don't care if it's a physical problem. All you need is one little thought, revelation from God about how to solve that problem and instantly you're over it. Financial problems, all you need is a word from God. You can instantly solve your problem. If you have decisions in front of you, all you need is the mind of Christ, which you have in your born again spirit. And all you got to do is pray and ask God for an interpretation and instantly you can find out what to do. I've got a, an hour and a half, two hours worth of teaching on this one point that I'm making right here. I hadn't got time to teach you, but I'm telling you that you've got everything that you need in your spirit. See, this is what the Bible is referring to when it says that grace reigns through righteousness, understanding your righteous position, your, your identity in Christ. And most people do not know their identity in Christ. They are looking in the mirror and because they don't look awesome, they just don't think they're awesome because they look sick. They feel sick. They think they're sick, not knowing that they have the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead living on the inside of them. And according to Ephesians chapter one, verse 18, he prays that your eyes would be open so that you could see the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe the same power that he used when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. You have the same power on the inside of you that raised Jesus from the dead. It's not out there in heaven someplace and you have to pray it down. So much of our religious system is all based on a misunderstanding of these things. They'll say, you've got to get a hole through the heavens so that your prayers can get up to God. There's people that teach that. I bet you many of you right here have been under teaching about intercession and how we got to pray and get a hole so our prayers can get through the demonic realm and up into heaven, an open heaven. There's songs written about that. An open heaven, it's stupid. (laughs) Forgive me for being blunt, but I'm just running out of time. I'm talking as fast as I can. I'm just trying to get my point across. It's stupid. Well, what about, what about getting your prayers past all these things? You, you know, you'll have people say, well, that prayer didn't get above the ceiling. You don't need your prayers to get above your nose. God's right here in your born again spirit. That's the reason you bow your head when you pray. So you can say, father, amen. God's here. You don't need to get your, that's all not understanding our righteous position with the Lord. And so we got to go through these things and you got to have somebody with their collar turned around backwards to intercede between you and God. You don't know who you are in Christ. This whole thing about having a priest between you and God is an ungodly concept. Well, it's in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. Before Jesus came, Jesus is now our high priest. And any person who tries to take the place of Jesus is antichrist. Was that too subtle? Anybody miss that one? I'm not against you. I'm just telling you the truth. Galatians 4, 16. Am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? I'm telling you the truth that we are righteous in Christ Jesus. 
And if you don't understand this righteousness and your connection and who you are and what you have, grace can't reign in your life. You've got to understand that grace produced all of this for us. The grace of God made you righteous. And when you called on Jesus and made him your Lord, then instantly you became full grown in your spirit. Your spirit isn't born again, a little tiny baby righteous spirit. You are identical to Jesus as he is. And I guarantee you, Jesus is not still growing and improving. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, the father, and he's absolutely perfect and mature. And your spirit is 100% complete. You don't need to get the word down into your spirit. You don't need to renew your spirit. You don't need any of these things. You don't need another touch. You don't need a double portion. You don't need the Holy Ghost to do more. You don't need more faith. You've already got as much faith as Jesus has in your spirit. Your spirit is perfect. It's complete. It's perfect. There's nothing wrong with your spirit. The problem's right between our ears. We don't know who we are in Christ. We are still seeing ourselves as a physical, natural man or woman with all of our limitations and faults and problems. But God is a spirit and God is looking at you in the spirit. And in the spirit, he sees you perfect. And yet here you are rolling up on your side and whimpering and whining and coming into the throne room. Oh God, I'm so unworthy. And oh God, how could you love me? And God just, one time I'd like you to stand up and act like you're righteous. One time I'd like you to come and jump in my lap like a child and say, daddy, and act like I'm not mad at you. One time I'd like you to act like you're righteous, like you're in right standing and that all of your sin, past, present, and even future tense sins have been dealt with. Brothers and sisters, most of us, Jesus has provided this awesome, awesome salvation and we're missing out on it because we don't know, we don't believe. We're going by what we feel and see with our eyes instead of what the word of God has to say. This is our spiritual mirror and you just hold it up. And when somebody asks you how you are, instead of saying, oh man, I got rheumatism. I got this. I've got that. You don't understand. I have, and you describe what's going on in your emotional realm. Instead, what you ought to do is say, well, let me see right here how I am. Oh, right here. Ephesians 1, 3. I'm blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only and I'm not beneath. As Jesus is, so am I. I've got the same power living on the inside of me that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Is there anything else you would like to know how I... (laughs) And I've had people say, oh, I know that you're blessed and stuff, but I want to know how you really are. And I say, I really am blessed. I am really blessed. And then they'll say, but I want to know how you feel. I don't care how I feel. Some people are like, feeling is everything. It's nothing. And did you know when you quit enshrining feeling and putting it on a pedestal that I've got to feel this and you get to where you just start operating by fact. Did you know after a while your feelings will take its thumb out of its mouth and it'll grow up and it'll begin to start saying, you know what? I really do feel pretty good. Amen. And I really am blessed, but we have enshrined feeling. We put it in a place way beyond where it was supposed to go. 
And there's people, but I just don't feel like God loves me. Well, then your feelings are wrong. But I still feel sick. Well, your feelings are wrong. But I still feel anger at this person. Your feelings are wrong. Now, am I, am I telling you to deny that they exist? No. If you have wrong feelings, there's a reason for it. And it's because you have thought wrong and you've put value on stuff that you shouldn't. And so it's, it's something that you should deal with. But you know what? I guarantee you, I, I pray for people when I don't feel a thing. Because the Bible says, you lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And some of the greatest miracles I've ever seen in my life are when I felt nothing. Nothing. And I just pray for people and do it because of what the word says. And I see great miracles. I've seen people raised from the dead when I felt nothing. I tell you, this transformed my life. Like I said, I saw the truth, this comparison five different times. Then in the same way you've accepted that you had a sin nature. Now you just have to accept that you've got a righteous nature. I saw it, but I couldn't understand it until I understood that it was my spirit that was changed. And I can't see or feel my spirit. I have to go to the word and whatever it says, I have to believe it. And I change my identity from who I see in the mirror to what God's word says about me. I am what God says I am. I don't care what I feel like. And I have spent the last 44 years of my life trying to live by that and renew my mind. And to the degree that I've renewed my mind, I've experienced awesome, awesome miracles and blessings. I am seeing wonderful things happen. And the things that I'm not seeing happen is because I hadn't totally got my mind renewed. It is amazing how difficult, it's as simple as what I've described, but it's difficult to get to where you go by what you believe instead of what you feel. You're going to have the whole world, Christians, well-meaning people, family members condemn you and say, I don't care what you say. You are a loser. People will remind you. Your ex will remind you. Amen. And your boss will remind you and every failure will remind you. I just did something this last week that anybody should be able to do. And I totally messed the whole thing up. And I remember sitting there thinking, how dumb can you get and still breathe? I said, why can't I do the simplest little thing? And you know what? I had a tendency to get down on myself. And I, you know what I started doing? I started saying, thank you, Jesus, that in the spirit, I'm righteous. And I just started focusing on who I am in Christ and saying, I don't care how much I am unable to do things in the natural realm. I still am awesome in the spirit. And I started thinking about who I was in Christ and got my emotions under control. I'm preaching better than you're listening. That's awesome. I tell you what, if you understood what I was talking about, grace would reign. It would dominate. It would dictate in your life. The grace of God, the goodness of God would abound in your life if you could understand your righteous position and it would bring you into this eternal life, an intimate, close, personal relationship with God to where you could actually run up and jump on God's lap. You don't deserve it in your flesh. Some of you still, your flesh just crawls when I say that. That's because you've never seen yourself outside of who you are in the natural. But in the spirit man, God would embrace you and accept you just as much as he would accept Jesus because your spirit man is identical to Jesus. As he is, that's the way you are right now. 
in this world. Your spirit is as pure and righteous and holy as Jesus is. And because of that, you could run right up to God and hug him and he would accept it and you would be worthy of doing it in your spirit. In your spirit, you're worthy. In your spirit, you're righteous. Man, that's awesome. And you know, there's many spinoffs of this, but if you got this, you know what else it would do? If you changed your identity and saw yourself like this, there are some of you that are living at a very low standard. You're living ways that a Christian shouldn't live. But part of it's because that's the way you see yourself. You see yourself as a loser. You see yourself as a failure. You've always been a druggie. You've always been a drunk. You've always operated in pornography. You've always had sexual problems. And you just, that's the way you see yourself. And you'll resist to a degree, but after a while you give in because after all, that's the way you believe you are. But if you could see who you are in Christ and if you ever got a revelation of it, you would value that. You would love it so much that you wouldn't dare act like that. That's not who you are. Some of you act like the devil because you believe you have the nature of the devil on the inside of you. That's not true. And I know many of you have a big question mark there. If you'll come back tonight, I'm going to show you how you do not have a sinful nature anymore how that that has been taken away. And I'll answer some questions. And this will make a big difference. But I tell you what, this transformed my life. I just can't help but believe that if you would understand and embrace these things the way that God's shown them to me, it would transform you. This is what changed my life. Grace reigns through righteousness unto eternal life. Isn't that awesome? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did in our lives. You know, if there's any of you here today that don't know Jesus personally, then the things that I've been saying don't apply to you. You have a sinful nature that is separated from God. And regardless how much you try in your actions to change, you can change your actions to a degree, but you cannot change your nature. Your good actions don't change your bad nature. You have to be born again. You just have to humble yourself and come and make Jesus your Lord and receive righteousness as a free gift. If you've never done that, you need to do that. And if you are born again, you absolutely need this baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's many things that happen, but like I was talking today, people just don't understand that when you're praying in tongues, you are releasing the hidden wisdom of God. There's a lot of people that just pray in tongues to prove that they got the Holy Spirit. They do it when they come forward, they receive it, they speak in tongues, and then they go 10 years and never speak in tongues again. Man, you are missing one of the greatest tools that God ever gave us for moving into this spirit realm. When you pray in tongues, it is absolutely foolishness to your mind. And if you stay in the natural as just a carnal person, you'll quit praying in tongues. You can't do it carnally. But you know what? If you continue to pray in tongues, it makes you get over into faith, into the spirit realm. You will start thinking on spiritual things. And it's just like a can opener that will open up this life of God that's on the inside of you and let the Holy Spirit start flowing. It's really important. You need the ability to speak in tongues. If there's anybody here today who doesn't have one or both of those, if you aren't born again, but you'd like to be, and if you are born again, but if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, You need that. 
This is two things that every single person should have. Every person. Is there anybody here who would say, man, I'd like one or both of those and I want you to pray for me. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand and I want to pray for you. Anybody? Here's numbers of people. We had how many last night? 88 or 87. Wasn't that awesome? And how many got born again last night? They're one, one apart. But you know, anyway, it's one of those two, six or seven. And 88 baptized in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? Thank you, Jesus. I had a lady come up to me this morning and her daughter received the baptism of the Holy Spirit last year and just was giving a tremendous testimony about how it's just transformed her life. She's never been the same. I tell you, this is the most life transforming experience you can have with the Lord outside of being born again. And when you get born again, that's an internal thing. It's your spirit that got changed. And it sometimes and sometimes doesn't manifest itself outwardly. But when you receive the Holy Spirit, that is all to release this power in your life. As far as your outward experience goes, I believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the most life transforming experience you can have. It's really, really important. So, you know, if you, if you raised your hand or if you were supposed to raise your hand but didn't do it, would you just get up out of your chair and come forward and let me pray with you right here? And we want to help you to receive. So come forward right now. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome, awesome. And isn't this great? You're never going to be the same. You're going to be stronger than horseradish. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't this wonderful? This lady was a Sikh, is that right? And she just got born again a short time ago. Isn't that awesome? Thank you, Jesus. And now you're coming to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I tell you what, there's no other religion on the planet that compares with Christianity. They have doctrines, but we have a Savior, a person who lives on the inside of you. And then the Holy Spirit comes and empowers you. You know, the things that I'm talking about, no other, no other religion on the face of the world can compare to this. The things I'm saying, they just, there is no comprehension of this kind of stuff. Man, we have such a wonderful salvation. What God has done for us is absolutely awesome. We just need to get a full revelation of what we've already got. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and setting us free. Amen. Before I can pray with you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you must be born again. Jesus is the one who gives the Holy Spirit, so you have to receive the giver before you receive the gift. Is there anybody down here who's not absolutely certain that you've ever really turned your life over to Jesus and that you've been born again and you want to pray first about that. That's good. You can't receive the Holy Spirit until you receive Jesus first. Anybody besides this one lady? Here's another one down here. Praise God. Anybody else? Anyone else? You know, there's a lot of people who think that they're born again because they're a good person and they go to church and they believe that there's a God. The Bible says in James chapter 2, verse 19, it says, you believe that there's one God? You do well. The devils also believe and tremble. 
But won't you know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. It takes more than just acknowledging that God exists. You have to make him your Lord. Romans 10, 9 says, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So maybe you are a good person. Maybe you acknowledge that God exists, but have you ever made him your Lord? Have you committed your life to him? If you haven't, you need to pray this prayer with me and make sure that you're born again. Anybody else besides these two ladies? Anyone else? Are you sure? Here's another one. Here's another one. I'm not trying to talk you out of your faith. I'm just saying, are you sure? You can't just assume. The Bible says that when you pray, you have a witness in yourself and you know that you have passed from death unto life. If you don't have that witness, if you don't have a confidence that when you stand before God, that you'll be accepted because you've put faith in Jesus, you need to pray this prayer with me. So anybody else? I think we had four total, five here. Amen. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. This isn't magic. It's not just repeat the words and it automatically works. The Bible says you have to confess it with your mouth and believe it with your heart. So you have to believe this. But if you will believe what I'm going to lead you, I want you to repeat after me. And if you will believe the words that you're saying, then you'll be born again. You'll receive this new spirit right now. Isn't that awesome? I want to ask everybody here, if they would, to repeat this with me so that they won't feel like we're just listening to them, okay? Let's everybody say, Father, I'm sorry for my sin. And I believe that Jesus died to forgive my sin. And I receive that forgiveness right now. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I believe that you are alive and that you now live in me. I am forgiven. I am saved. Right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. You believe that? You believe that? Awesome. Awesome. Well, according to the Bible, whether you feel anything, you know, you still look the same on the outside, but in the spirit, everyone who prayed that and believed it, you're a brand new person on the inside. Everything I was talking about this morning has just happened to you and you can't feel it, but I tell you, it happened in the spirit realm. And one of the things that the scripture says multiple times about people who make Jesus their Lord is that you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is important because we're asking the Holy Spirit to come. God created you. These that just got born again in your spirit, you were created to be a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. It's what God made you for. So he would never deny you the Holy Spirit. This is what he made you for. So we aren't going to beg. You don't have to plead and, uh, you know, get rid of all of the problems in your life. If you could get rid of all of the problems in your life before you receive the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. The very reason that he's given to us is to give us power so that we can overcome things. So don't let some sense of unworthiness or you haven't done something right stop you from receiving. God is going to give every one of you the Holy Spirit. Luke eleven thirteen says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask?
So you're going to ask and God, God promised he would give you the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. And then I'd like our prayer ministers to come up here and they're going to stand behind you and they're going to lay hands on you. Because in the Bible, people would lay hands on people and the Holy Spirit would be released into them. So I'm going to lead you in this prayer. And then these prayer ministers are going to lay hands on you and release this power of the Holy Spirit to come into your life. And after they lay hands on you, not right now, but after they lay hands on you and release this power of the Holy Spirit, I want you to quit asking God for the Holy Spirit. There's a time to ask, but then there's a time to believe that you receive. So after they lay hands on you, I want you to quit asking and just start thanking him. And at that time, I want you to put your hands up like when somebody sticks a gun in your back and you just go, I surrender. This, the Bible says that when you lift up your hands, this blesses the Lord. God's pleased with this. And so they're, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. They're going to lay hands on you and pray. And then I want you to lift your hands and just start thanking God that he gave you the Holy Spirit. I don't care what you feel like, believe the word. And then those of us who have the baptism of the Holy Spirit are going to start speaking in tongues. Because the Bible says when you speak in tongues, you're giving thanks well, 1 Corinthians 14, 17. So we're going to start thanking God for what he did in your life by speaking in tongues. And as we start speaking in tongues, I want you to speak in tongues with us. I want you to quit praying in English and just start speaking in tongues. And I know some of you are like, oh, how do you do this? I've got a book that I'm going to give everybody and it will explain it and answer your questions. I'm not going to take a lot more time, but you need to go ahead and speak in tongues. And if you're ready, you can do it right now. Let me share with you the number one thing that kept me and other people, I believe, from speaking in tongues is that people think that the Holy Spirit's going to force you to do it. It's going to be like when you throw up, you can't stop it. It just comes out. That's not the way speaking in tongues is. It's like when I spoke this morning. I believe that God spoke through me. I believe he inspired it, but he didn't take my mouth and make it talk. If I'd have just opened up my mouth and stuck my tongue out and waited on God to make me speak, we'd still be standing here. God didn't force me. I spoke, but I believe it was inspired by God. That's the way speaking in tongues is. You have to speak. You have to make sounds. He's not going to force you to speak in tongues. You have to do it and by faith believe that the Holy Spirit's inspiring it. And I tell you, at first, you'll be listening to yourself and critical of yourself and wondering, is this really God? But the moment you can get past yourself and just start in faith speaking, you'll find out it just flows out of you. It's inspired by God. And I've got a lot of other things that these books will answer, but that's what we're going to do. And I believe that every one of you is going to receive and speak in tongues. Amen. The Bible said believers will speak with other tongues. I want you to say, I'm a believer and I will speak in tongues. Father, I thank you for all of these. Thank you, Father, for the ones who receive salvation today. And I just thank you that we are all the temple of the Holy Spirit. You created us to fill with the power of your Holy Spirit. So right now, we open up our hearts. We open up the doors of our temple. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come into our life right now. We want your power. And so we open our hearts and receive now in Jesus' name. Now we lay hands on you and say in the name of Jesus Christ, receive 
this power of the Holy Spirit. We loose this anointing of the Holy Spirit to flow into these lives right now in Jesus' name. Boy, that's the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Let's lift your hands and start thanking God that He gave you the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me the Holy Spirit. Thank you that I have your power, that I have this gift of speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. Now, those of you who know how to pray in tongues, let's begin to just worship the Lord and speak in tongues. And as we speak in tongues, I want you to join in with us and just begin to speak. You can't talk in tongues with your mouth closed. You got to open your mouth. If you don't know what to say, you can try and say what the person behind you is saying. But your tongue is going to be unique to you. It won't be the same as anybody else. If you try and say what they're saying, it'll come out differently. And when it does come out differently, don't stop. Just keep talking. Just keep talking. Just keep going. Let's worship the Lord. When you pray in tongues, it's not your brain. It's your spirit praying. The part of you that knows all things. You're bypassing the doubt and the unbelief that's in your brain. And you're praying out of this born again spirit. You're releasing supernatural anointing. You build yourself up on your most holy faith. Don't worry about what it sounds like. Man, when a child speaks at first, it doesn't sound like English, but it the parent knows exactly what that kid's saying. God's listening to your heart. You're bypassing all of the doubt and the unbelief in your mind. You're praying to God out of this born again spirit. Man, many, many, many of these people are praying in tongues. It looks to me like just about everyone is speaking in tongues. Man, that's awesome. Awesome. Let me interrupt you. Let me have your attention here for just a minute. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you know whether you spoke in tongues or not, I believe God gave you the Holy Spirit because He promised He would. You know, I'm not speaking in tongues right now, but I can. I can speak in tongues. I can start and stop it anytime I want to. Somebody says, well, can you just turn the Holy Spirit on and off? Nope. He's on all the time. It's me that's on and off. And anytime I want to pray in tongues, I can pray in tongues. You need to understand some things, and I've written it all in a book. Even if you didn't pray in tongues, I believe God gave you the Holy Spirit. You just need to understand how to do it. You know, when I first prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it took me three and a half years before I prayed in tongues, but that's because I was a Baptist. And I'd been told that this was of the devil, and I was so fearful and had my thinking so messed up that I just wouldn't let it happen. And finally, I got my questions answered. I've written all of these things in a book. And I can promise you, nobody in here has got a question about the Holy Spirit that I don't think I've answered in this book. I had every doctrine against it. And I'll share this with you. It's a free gift. 
we want you to get this book because you need to understand fully what's happened to you to get the benefit of it. So I'd like to give this to you. Robert right here is a man that's got his hand up with the Bible. And if you'll follow him, he's got those books in a room right next door. And he'll give you a book. There are people there that will pray with you. They'll help you. They'll answer questions. If you need prayer for healing or any of those kind of things, they will pray with you and help you. We just want you to get the maximum benefit from what happened. So if you would, just follow Robert and get that free book. It'll help you to understand what's happening. Praise the Lord. Isn't this awesome? Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Yes, sir. Did you speak in tongues? Well, I saw you over there when I said you were going to speak in tongues and you go, oh, that's the reason you hadn't done it yet. Let Ashley or one of them talk to you. And they'll you. All right. God bless you. Praise the Lord. And you came and received the Holy Spirit. This is the one whose daughter has just been revolutionized by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Awesome. I can't do it right now. I'll be doing it later. You know, let me remind you that we have this meeting for the ministers. If there's any ministers in here that would still like to take advantage in this continuing education, they're meeting in the Magnolia Room, down past registration. These are all of our prayer ministers. And these people are here to minister to you and help you any way that they can. We saw lots of miracles happen last night. I prayed and called out a lot of healings and we saw, I don't know, dozens of people that instantly had pain leave. And uh, Carly told me uh, this morning that there was people running back and forth across here who had been having pain and couldn't get around. We saw some great miracles happen. And so these people are people that are well qualified to minister the word and to help you. So if any of you need prayer for anything, I'd like to give you an invitation right now to come forward and let one of our prayer ministers just agree with you and lay hands on you. They can give you more time than what I have to do. I know that there's a lot of people think I'm the only one that can pray for you, but it's not true. These people have the same Holy Ghost. It's God that makes the difference. And I want to encourage you, if you want prayer for anything right now, just come forward. Let one of our prayer ministers agree with you and pray. Hey, man, if that's you, come forward right now. Did we get everybody prayed for? Not many people are moving. That's great. Amen. But if you need prayer, that's what they're here for. The rest of you, let me remind you that we have CDs of last night and this morning already duplicated. We also have DVDs of both services already duplicated. And uh, you can get those back there and they would be a real blessing to you. We'll be back tonight at 7 o'clock, tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, and then tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. On Saturday night, we start at 6 o'clock so my staff can get out uh, a little bit earlier. So praise God. If you need prayer, come forward. The rest of you, you're dismissed. We'll see you tonight.